Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Finding Home Podcast, where, as you know, I say home is more than just these sticks and the bricks that you live in. I wanted to do something cool for Halloween, and I don't, I don't think I was able to put it together the way that I wanted to. However, I hope you enjoy this episode with what I was able to do. One of my most vivid memories growing up, and I think maybe some of you might have the same memories, especially if you're somewhere around my age, are the books by Alvin Schwartz, uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. When I was in fourth grade, we had the book fair. And all I wanted from book fair were these books, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark and more scary stories to tell in the dark. Because not only did they have kind of fun, scary stories, but they had like the most horrifying artwork I've ever seen. I still don't understand. I've, I've got these books in front of me, these same ones I got from book fair when I was a kid. And I'm trying to understand how the, how the artist, Stephen Gamble, came up with just horrific landscapes for this book and just horrifying art. The art is scarier than any of the stories. I've seen reprints of the book, and I think they've reprinted the book with, without the Stephen Gamble drawings, and it's just not the same. So I'm going to hopefully include just a few uh, quick photos of the, the drawings from the book in the show notes and on the website. But these books were just such an important part of my childhood growing up. And there were so many stories. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to tell a few of them. And I've tried to produce them as well as I can in the, in the time that I've got. But I just thought it would be fun to read some of these and try and go back and, and recreate and relive those moments for me of reading these books when I was a kid. So I chose three stories. I tried to not choose the ones that were the really heavy folklore ones like the hook or the babysitter or the calls coming from inside the house. And I, I did my best with the interpretation, guys. I'm not an actor. I just like to talk. I like to do stupid voices sometimes, but outside of that, you're getting just what you get with this. So let's get to it. Three stories from the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark series of books. The Guests a young man and his wife were on a trip to visit his mother. Usually they arrived in time for supper, but they'd gotten a late start, and now it was getting dark. So they decided to look for a place to stay overnight and go on in the morning. Just off the road, they saw a small house in the woods. Maybe they rent rooms, the wife said. So they stopped to ask. An elderly man and woman came to the door. They didn't rent rooms, they said, but they would be glad to have them stay overnight as their guests. They had plenty of room, and they would enjoy the company. The old woman made coffee and brought out some cake, and the four of them talked for a while. Then the young couple were taken to their room. They again explained that they wanted to pay for this, but the old man said he would not accept any money. The young couple got up early the next morning before their hosts had awakened. On a table near the front door, they left an envelope with some money in it for the room. Then they went on to the next town. They stopped in a restaurant and had breakfast. 
when they told the owner where they had stayed, he was shocked. That can't be, he said. That house burned to the ground, and the man and woman who lived there died in the fire. The young couple could not believe it, so they went back to the house, only now there was no house. All they found was a burned-out shell. They stood staring at the ruins, trying to understand what had happened. Then the woman screamed. In the rubble was a badly burned table, like the one they had seen by the front door. On the table was the envelope they had left that morning. One Sunday morning. Ida always went to the seven o'clock Sunday morning service at her church. Usually she heard the clanging of the church bells while she was eating breakfast, but this morning she heard them while she was still in bed. That means I'm late, she thought. Ida jumped out of bed, quickly dressed, and left without eating or looking at the clock. It was still dark outside, but it usually was dark at this time of year. Ida was the only one on the street. The only sounds she heard were the clatter of her shoes on the pavement. Everybody must already be in church, she thought. Ida took a shortcut through the cemetery, then she quietly slipped into the church and found a seat. The service had already begun. When she caught her breath, Ida looked around. The church was filled with people she had never seen before. But the woman next to her did look familiar. Ida smiled at her. It's Josephine Kerr, she thought, but she's dead. She died a month ago. Suddenly, Ida felt uneasy. She looked around again. As her eyes began to adjust to the dim light, Ida saw skeletons in suits and dresses. This is a service for the dead, Ida thought. Everybody here is dead, except me. Ida noticed that some of them were staring at her. They looked angry, as if she had no business there. Josephine Kerr leaned toward her and whispered, Leave right after the benediction, if you care for your life. When the service came to an end, the minister gave his blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you, he said. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Ida grabbed her coat and walked quickly toward the door when she heard footsteps behind her. She glanced back. Several of the dead were coming toward her. Others were getting up to join them. The Lord lift up his countenance to you, the minister went on. Ida was so frightened she began to run. Out the door she ran with a pack of shrieking ghosts at her heels. Get out! One of them screamed. Another shouted, You don't belong here! And ripped her coat away. A third grabbed the hat from her head. Don't come back! It screamed and shook its arm at her. By the time Ida reached the street, the sun was rising, and the dead had disappeared. Did this really happen? Ida asked herself. Or, 
or have I been dreaming? That afternoon, one of Ida's friends brought over her coat and hat, or what was left of them. They had been found in the cemetery, torn to shreds. Somebody fell from a loft. I'd signed on as an ordinary seaman on the Falls of Ettrick, a merchant ship bound for England. The first time I saw that ship, I knew her right away. She was the old Gertrude Spurshoe. I'd sailed on her years before when she was painted brown and gold. She was painted black and had a new name. But it was the same ship, for sure. We had a pretty good crew for that voyage, except for one hard-looking ticket named McLaren. He's a pretty good seaman, but there was something about him I didn't trust. He was kind of secretive. Kept mostly to himself. One day, somebody told him that I had worked on the old Gertrude. For some reason, he got all a tremble over that. Then I catched him giving me all these ugly black looks, as if he was itching to knife me in the back. I guessed it had something to do with the Gertrude, but I didn't know what. Well, this one day we was trying to work our way through a dripping black fog. You'd scarcely know we had all the lights on, and it was dead calm. There wasn't a breath fresh air. The ship just lay there, wallowing in a trough, a-rolling and a-rolling, going nowheres. I was standing my watch round midships, and McLaren was doing his trick at the wheel. The rest of the crew was scattered round one place and another, and it was all quiet as could be. Wacko! This thing hits the deck right in front of McLaren. He lets go a screech that turns my blood cold, and he falls down in a faint. The second mate starts yelling that somebody has fallen from aloft. Laying out there just forward of the wheel was someone, or something, dressed in oilskins with blood oozing out from underneath. The captain ran and fetched a big light from his cabin so he could see who it was. They kind of straightened him out to get a look at his face. He was a big, ugly-looking devil. But nobody knew who he was or what he was doing up there. At least, nobody was saying. When McLaren came out from his faint, they tried to get something out of him. All he did was jabber away and keep rolling those big, wild-looking eyes of his. Everybody was getting more and more excited. We all wanted to heave the body overboard as quick as we could. There was something weird about as if it wasn't real. But the captain wasn't so sure about getting rid of it that way. Could it be a stowaway? He asked. But the ship was so filled with lumber we were carrying, there was no space where a living thing could hide for three weeks, which was how long we'd been out. 
even if it was a stowaway. What was it doing aloft on such a dirty day? There was no reason for anyone to be up there. There was nothing to see. Finally, the captain gave up and told us to heave him overboard. Then, nobody'd touch him. The mate ordered us to pick him up, but nobody made him move. Then he tried coaxing, but that didn't do any good. Suddenly, that loony McLaren starts yelling, I handled him once, I can handle him again. He picks up the body and staggers over to the railing with it. He's just about to throw it overboard when it wraps its two big, long arms around him. And over they go together. Then on the way down, one of them starts laughing in a horrible way. The mates are yelling to launch a boat, but nobody would get into a boat. Not on a night like that. We threw a couple of life preservers after him, but everybody knew it wouldn't help. So that was that. Or was it? First chance I had to go home after that, I went right over to see old Captain Spurshoe, who was captain when the Gertrude was around. Well, he says, one trip these two outlandish men shipped aboard the Gertrude. One was McLaren, the other was a really big fella. The big one was always picking on McLaren and thumping him around. But McLaren was always talking about how he would get back at him. Well, this wet, dirty night, the two of them was up there alone, and the big one come flying down, killed himself, deader than a herring. McLaren says the foot rope they were using parted, and how he almost fell himself, but everybody who saw that rope knew she didn't give way on her own. She'd been cut through with a knife. After that, whenever we came into port, McLaren thought we were going to get the police after him, and he'd get pretty scared, but we couldn't prove anything. So we didn't try. In the end, I guess the big fella took care of things in his own way. If he was a ghost that came back, that's what he was, if there be things like ghosts. That was going to be the end of this episode. I was going to roll into my regular post-episode thing about subscribe and leave a review and contact me and stuff, but one of the coolest things happened. Um, while I was editing this episode, my son Keith, he's seven, he came in and he was listening. He wanted to hear the stories. He wanted to, to hear these stories that I was trying to recreate. And then he turned to me after I'd showed him one of them and he said, well, Dad, I have a story. Can I record a story? And so I sat him down in front of the mic, and he told this story, and I just thought it was, I mean, he's seven, and he just went for it, and I just thought it was so fantastic, so I'm going to go ahead and include it here, and then we'll wrap up this episode. So next up is Keithy, my son, with his story, and it's pretty self-explanatory. Hi, guys. I'm Keith Collister, and I'm... I'm going to tell you a story about, it's, it's a Halloween story. I made it up myself. And it's called The Girl and the Ghost. So once there was a ghost that was going on a picnic. 
and the ghost saw a little girl, and they started playing. And then one time they were playing hide and seek, and the little girl lost the ghost. Even though it's invisible, she could still see it. But but then she remembered. Oh well, we were playing hide and seek, and her and his favorite spot is the grave. So she went to the grave, the graveyard, and she and she saw a grave undigged, nobody in the coffin, and, and she thought, oh, that's where the ghost went. So she went off, and she saw her ghost getting taken away, and yeah, she couldn't, she couldn't handle it, so she. So she pressed grab some water or threw them into the coffin and just sticked it up. And then they started playing again, and they lived fun until they lost each other. And yeah, the end. Well, that does it for another episode of the Finding Home podcast. I uh, apologize for my raspy voice for some of these segments. Uh, I was at a Halloween party last night, and I had to talk very loud and kind of warm my voice out. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys all have a fun and safe Halloween. Don't drink and drive, etc., etc., etc. If you would like to get in touch with me about anything, please feel free to do so. You can reach me at findinghomepodcast at gmail.com. That's findinghomepodcast at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with me via the website, the contact form that is at findinghomepodcast.com. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, also reach out and let me know if you've got a project or a business or some great cause that you'd like to come chat about. I would be happy to have you on and we can discuss that and how we can impact our communities here locally Next week, we'll be back with another show. I hope uh, this once-a-week release schedule is a little ambitious, but I'm going to try and stick to it. If not, you guys will get it every other week. That's all for this week. I will talk to you guys next time.